everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the managing editor here at Android Central, and I have my lovely friends with me, Nicholas Sutrick. Hi. Hey. I've got Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello, hello. Howdy, howdy. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> Good. And I've got my good old friend all the way in California, Michael Hicks. Hi. Hi, good to be here. We are happy for you to be here specifically because today's episode is, as I'm sure everyone has figured out by now, is going to be all about Google I.O. and everything that came out of it. And we have a lot of stuff that we have to get through. So I'm going to start off very um, broad, I guess. Um, But actually, before we get to that, I also want to mention to everyone. So Michael actually got to go to IO this year, and so did our editor in chief, Jeremy Johnson. Um, And so essentially, they got to hang out uh, at the event, which was really cool. And they sent us pictures and they were sort of right there and they got to do a lot of really cool stuff and then of course michael you had an opportunity to play with the fold and the tablet um so we'll get to that in a second but uh let's talk broad 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 perspectives how did we feel about io this year much better i guess it depends a lot on how you like ai stuff (laughs) did you see did you see that one video that the verge posted where they took sundar pichay and they're like ai 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 (laughs) Uh, yep that was that was bound to happen i know we joked about doing uh taking shots every time ai was said thank god we didn't do that because i'd be dead this morning well (laughs) you would have taken 125 shots because i think someone i think someone actually counted it and it was like 125 times that ai was said so google has more products yeah they have more products that use ai than the amount of times they actually said the words ai (laughs) this is true uh (laughs) i think though you know laughing at ai notwithstanding i think they did a much better job this year with the presentation because um, I know last year a lot of our complaints were like it felt very vanilla and like sort yeah, of matter yeah. of fact, right? But and, but there was one moment, you know, between in the middle. In the, it was like in the middle. It was like maybe like a twenty twenty ish minute long point it was where the I Google Cloud section, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know what you're talking about. We were all like falling asleep at that point. I was literally, I actually think I passed out first. I'm sorry, Google. I, you guys are great, sure, but like, I, I actually passed out a little bit. I was so bored. Yeah, and, and that that was my favorite part because of the speaker. Oh my goodness! I mean, he is. I, I've, I've, you know, read a lot of the things. And I know his first name's Thomas, and I feel it's terrible. It's Tom, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. feel terrible. I can't remember his last name. Curian. Starts with a K. Curian. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There he you go. is the smartest human being that has ever walked this planet. And without him, we wouldn't have half of this stuff. And I just was fascinated listening to him talk about dumb, boring shit. I guess I'm just fanned out. You know what You know what it is, though? Like, it... it it wasn't him. Correct. Like, I actually did not find it boring because of him. I just think it was in the middle of the afternoon. We all have been running on, like, fumes to, to get all this content. And I think this year we had the most amount of embargoed content. Yeah. 
right. you know, news and editorial and SE. It was just like there was so much. And I think we were all just kind of like right and trying to push through. <laughs> to, to, you know, I, I would be the first one to say that the the content was boring, just absolutely boring that consumers are never going to care about, never even going to know exists. But he saved it for me just hearing him talk. I was, you know, can I have your autograph, Mr. Curian? There you go. <laughs> and, and like, that's just it. Like, he's a great speaker. I think he did. He didn't have, like, you know, some, some weird speech thing that was distracting or anything like that. Like, he spoke very clearly. The stuff he was saying was good. Like, he had great inflection. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like the stuff he was saying wasn't as yeah, sexy yeah. as, you know, the pixel fold or, you know, something like that. Like, people were waiting for that. And so it's like, oh... I got to sit through something else until we get to what I want to see, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, but you could tell he loved it. Yeah, absolutely. He loves what he does, and that's why I think I like like him so much. The interesting thing was, you know, listening to the mood of the crowd, <laughs> there were a lot of people really excited about the AI stuff at the beginning. Like, they all cheered when they talked about auto-writing emails and, and all of that. I noticed that, too. And there was still some enthusiasm, but then, like, that was around the same point that the crowd started getting a little, like, okay next thing next thing and then when it got to the actual hardware they had all these we noted this in slack yeah a lot of moments where they paused for applause and didn't get any and i think it's because the crowd at that point was just kind of done from all the ai stuff they didn't even get excited about the stuff google was sure they'd be excited about so um michael i wanted to ask you and and actually anyone because i think jerry you you've been to io before but who are the people that typically typically go I, i'm assuming it's developers that are going to io it's 75 percent developers 25 percent press okay right it used to be 50 percent people that lived within 100 miles or within driving distance and went for the free hardware that they could sell on ebay and make a ton of money so google stopped giving out hardware smart Mm. and made it about developers interesting okay well i want to go back to you michael um and and again i we have a lot of hardware stuff that that, we, that we're going to get to but can you explain to us like what the vibe was at io um you know you obviously were there there was a lot of conversation around ai but what what was the vibe like and how did you feel being there well it was my first io so i can't judge how it was compared to other events everyone seemed pretty cheerful all the press folks i spoke to like um michael fisher and michelle Rahman. i'm hoping i'm saying his name right yes um you know they just everyone was enjoying the the ambiance the fact that it wasn't in a giant convention center <laughs> it's just like all hanging out at a place where you you'd normally see a concert and they were giving out free food and so everyone just i think enjoyed the general feeling of it and all the, the Google employees were really nice and friendly. So they do a good job of making it a, a fun experience in terms of the actual content. I think that it went well for Google because they are always seen as second fiddle to Bing and chat GPT and open AI and all of that. Google bar didn't make a good impression. And so the all the ways that they talked about AI and about doing it responsibly but well and incorporating it incorporating it into the apps that people know about. You know, whether or not you like AI, Google is doing their job of making sure they know that you, that we know it's going to actually be useful for 
daily lives in theory. We don't know how well it'll work and when all of this will actually happen. But, you know, they they sold it well. And like Nick said, it was more interesting than last year when it was like, here's a new thing in our Google Maps app where you can do this. And then here's a new thing for Google Sheets. It was the same thing, but the focus was different because it was about the future. Yeah, interesting thing there. I, I, of course, every morning I read a bunch of tech news, I think, like all of us here and probably a lot of you listening. Uh, I learned today that everything Google showed off, they, they've invented from scratch in a month in response to plugins coming to Bing GPT, which is hilariously stupid. Uh, Google is in panic mode, so they showed off a bunch of stuff that isn't real yet, which is equally as stupid, and that Google is uh, letting the world know that their stuff is broken because they put a disclaimer that it may, you know, use language that Google doesn't approve of, or it may not be 100% factually correct as a disclaimer, which is stupider than the other two combined. I, I really like the aggressive way Google come out and said, hey, you know what? Look what we can do. And this is us being slow. This is us being extra careful because we want to try to do it responsibly. And and even us being slow and responsible, your move. You know, and, and I really thought that that part was super interesting. And we, we all kind of spoke about it in our group chat um, that Google, despite being a bit slower, and I think I saw Dan Rubino over from uh, Windows Central, our sister site, he tweeted um, about how, I think he said something to the effect of everything Google announced about BARD was already done by Microsoft like two, three weeks ago. And the first thing I thought of when I read that well, was, well, yeah, that that's true, but I think Google is approaching this in a very different way. And I kind of like the way Google is approaching this. Like, I feel like it is a lot more careful and calculated. And uh, I don't know if risk averse is the right word to use here, but yes. they're definitely being. Is it? OK, yeah. I mean, they're being very careful about this, which Google is has too much to lose. Microsoft, Bing. They, uh, you know, I'll be blunt. They have nothing to lose. It's crap. It's a crap search engine with a, a beautiful image search tool that they should focus more on, in my opinion. But what do they have to lose? Nobody used it because it's garbage. It's still garbage, but now it's fun garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about that before, too. That's I, I think that's absolutely the case. Like we said before, what do they have, like 1%? market share for search. Yeah, on a good day. It literally had nothing to lose. And that 1% is probably people's, you know, how do I install Chrome? Right, <laughs> doing, doing accidental searches from the Windows start bar. Yeah. So what we know of now of Bard is, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, which I don't think I am, but I am reading this. So I am pretty sure I'm right. Um, so Bard is now open. Uh, I guess it's, it's removed its wait list, which means I can finally tried out which i'm excited for but also in canada yes i believe it's it's available in canada now um but also it is um not coming in as a standalone app uh for your phone or for the watch and nick michael and i and jeremy we were in uh or no actually not no not you guys uh andrew jeremy and i uh, Andrew Myrick, if you guys are listening, um, he 
the three of us were in an AI uh, roundtable with Google and someone, uh, one of the product leads for Bard basically said um, that they want to just focus on desktop right now. And I, I, I'd like to get your perspective on that. Like what do you, you know, obviously they, they announced about Bard. They, they talked about it, you know, what they're going to be doing, but they're maintaining it as something that is confined to your desktop um, again, uh, as a way to probably fix it a, a, and not have any issues with it. But what are your thoughts about it not coming as a standalone app? I think it's smart for them to not do a standalone app for now. Maybe they can do it later. Um, but, you know, search is Google's bread and butter. And to mess with that is just not smart, especially when they're going to have to have disclaimers like Jerry was saying that these results might not be accurate and things like that. You don't you don't want to do that when people no matter what mobile platform they're using typically use Google to search, right? That's not a thing that you want to screw with. So it makes total sense to me, especially since I would wager people who are going to play with Bard are probably going to do it on their desktops while they're at work, while they're putzing around doing something else versus maybe on their phone, making that the only thing they're mm, doing. That makes sense. All right, a neat trick before I say any more. If you open Chrome and go to Bard and hit the little overflow menu and add to desktop, it's an HTML5 app and it gives you an icon on your desktop, you hit it. It works wonderfully on your phone if that's what you want. Cool. That's not Google's way. Mm. Why... The way Google sees things, why would they give you an app on your phone you can use to, you know, search for something or say something about Google Photos or Gmail? Instead, put that same AI into Google Photos, into Gmail, into Google Search, into all of the apps. Heck, eventually, you know, Google Notes, whatever they're going to have it named then, their note-taking app, you know, will, will have the same capabilities and that kind of gives you bard which isn't really a standalone thing like we talk about it, it those capabilities are built into everything without the need for a, a standalone app high ambitions but that's just kind of the way google tries to shoehorn yeah and stuff but wouldn't wouldn't you want to have a standalone app though like like okay obviously you know I agree with Nick and, you know, with what Google is doing and what you're saying, Jerry, in the sense that, like, I think it's smart that Google is maintaining this as a as a desktop app or desktop feature, I guess, right now, um, you know, containing cont containing it to one platform or one device, I guess. But. I feel like. I do more of my searches on my phone. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if, if they want to take advantage of search, which is obviously Google's bread and butter, we just mentioned that. Yep. And, and they want to incorporate Bard with search in a way to make it even more efficient for us. I would assume you'd want to put it on your phone. Okay. The same AI is already in Google search on your phone. Right. You just don't say you know, hi, my best friend, uh, tell me something cool I can wear on Saturday night. Instead, you open the search prompt and say, show me ideas for a dress to wear on Saturday. Right. And it will give you the exact same thing without, a, you know, a little friendship paragraph at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So the, the intelligence is already there. I think what, you know, based on some of the screens they showed us, they're they're working on trying to make 
plain, regular Google search a little more bardishly friendly. Yeah, conversational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I feel like, and this is just based on my own personal use of search engines and stuff, I feel like when I go to a search engine, I typically know what I want to search for. Like, I don't I don't have some yep. open-ended, generic question necessarily that I want. I'm usually looking for a specific article or a specific product, right? And I think them putting Bard in uh, Google Docs and Gmail and things like that makes a lot more sense for this type of product versus just having a conversation with an AI to search for something. Like I've I've used Bing GPT several times. It's slow. It's so freaking slow. Like when I want to search for something, I want the answer now. I don't want to wait 30 seconds for it to calculate, do three searches, a- give me some aggregated result. It's a pain in the butt to use. And I've, I've genuinely tried using it several times because I use Edge as a browser and the Edge app on a phone has that button right there at the bottom and I've pressed it several times and I've tried searching for something and I honestly think every time I've ever used it I hate the result or I'm tired of waiting and I'll swipe up go to my Google search bar on my home screen and type it in and find what I want. Mm. Interesting aside Nick one of the other sessions uh, Google's working on a technology that allows the use of local GPU and AI accelerators via you know a web page where it can tap into it and all the partners they listed that are on board which would make that extremely fast right uh, all the partners they listed microsoft was not there it's interesting well that's interesting yeah you know, I, I don't know you know what that means but that could be made a lot faster if microsoft is on board with it okay well i want to talk about one last thing about um io in terms of announcements, obviously we're going to get into into the hardware stuff in a moment, but I just want to kind of talk about one last thing, which is something that I think a lot of people were expecting to see a little bit of, which is Wear OS 4. I think, uh, well, and also we know that um, Android 14 has been in beta now, and we did hear some information about that. So, um Okay, I don't know. What are your thoughts about Wear OS 4? Are we excited about it? So Wear OS 3, obviously, was like the second coming of Google's wearable platform. And it was really super, super important, and it nailed it, right? So I think after that big of a success, it's very hard to get excited about a follow-up because you know they can't live up to it again, right? So do you think think it's going to be like, so Wear OS 1 happened... And then everyone was like, wow, this is awesome. And then Wear OS 2 happened, and they're like, meh, whatever. And then Wear OS 3 happened, they're like, all right, finally we see. So do we think that... Yeah, we're back. Yeah, do we think that (laughs) Wear OS 4 is the equivalent of Wear OS 2, where we're not really going to see Um, that much of an upgrade? I would say, I I think Wear OS 4 fixes all the things that are wrong with Wear OS 3 and probably doesn't do much else. Right. Mm. That's, That's what it seems like to me. So like Wear OS 2... I can't remember if that was when they rebranded it again. They've rebranded this like four times now, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Classic Google. I, right, exactly. <laughs> and I know Wear OS 2 was like a big redesign if it wasn't a rebrand. Um, and a lot of people liked it. Even more people hated it. Like it caused a lot of issues, whatever. I don't need to go into that. 4 really just seems like a bump. Like ignore the fact that we didn't get major versions for several years. This is now like Android versions where we used to have Android, you know, 1.5, 1.6, 2.1, 2.2. Like they went those real small numbers every six months. 
And now instead of doing that or waiting forever for releases, it seems like Google might just be going for a closer to an annual release cycle. Like, okay, the next version is just four. Don't worry about it, you know, being in six months or three years or whatever. It's not a big deal. This is just the next version. We're just improving stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, and that's what they have to do. Sure. And, and, it, and it, it makes a lot more sense. Right, <laughs> and it's it gives them more development time, which means the final product is going to be better. Yeah. It will be, but will it be better only on Exynos watches? That's the <laughs> biggest question right now, the one that Derek is mad about because he's a big fossil guy. Oh, god. Literally, like, other Wear OS 3 watches struggle, took a year longer to get there, and they still don't have Google Assistant because Google hasn't gotten it to work with Qualcomm chips. And now we're moving on to Wear OS 4, and they didn't mention anything about partners, which is fine. They don't need to at this place because that backfired before with three when they said it's coming to these watches and it took a year and a half. But I do think it needs to be addressed. Like, are, is Google going to make an effort to actually make this work on anything besides Galaxy watches and Pixel watches? Yeah. Question. Why does Google have to make the effort? Because that's it's their this software. Is the, this is. Well, no, this is the hardware requirements. This is how it works. Oh, okay. that it. If saying. Qualcomm wants to get on board, then they need to make the effort. Well, I guess the I guess the the, the point that I would make to that is um do these companies have the budget to upgrade their hardware to meet those requirements and or two are they seeing enough sales where they're making money to be able to upgrade their hardware? Well, I'm not saying those. fossil should be responsible. I mean, Fossil made a hardware contract with Qualcomm under the assumption that it would have these features because these features were announced and Qualcomm said, yeah, we can do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And Qualcomm is really the only major player until, right. uh, you know, the Wear OS 3 came around, I would say, it, ignoring the Galaxy Watch lineup because those were really a separate OS and everything before anyway, right? And And... If Qualcomm went to Samsung and said, hey, help us with this, Samsung would laugh at him and show him the door. Sure. But if Qualcomm course. went to Google and said, hey, we want to send you a couple of, you know, engineers and we want you to work with them so we can help make our platform more compatible with the new cool stuff you're doing. Google would say, sure, send them. Mm. Google wants all of these features on that fossil watch Derek is loving. Yeah, and I don't I, I don't really get why this is such an issue. Like I know Mobvoi came out and said basically it's because they have these crazy coprocessors and it's been a pain in the butt to try to engineer for all that stuff, which okay, fine, whatever. I mean I'll I'll let them sit you know, sleep in the own their own bed they made, I can't even say it. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Got, gotta love it. Uh, but I don't. I, I do feel like Google has a wider responsibility to make sure that this works on watches that were sold in. Yeah. Let's just say the last two years, yeah. because you now have people out there who spent money, and most of these are hundreds of dollars, and they probably you know also spent hundreds of dollars on an Android phone recently, and now they're in this ecosystem and they're pissed off because they didn't buy the right watch, basically, right? And so now it makes the whole ecosystem look bad. I know Google is trying like hell. I also know there's a huge problem because Qualcomm is not open or open about how their stuff works. Google's trying to reverse engineer something onto hardware that was designed very specifically to make it difficult to reverse engineer. Yeah. I know this because I know some people who are working with that kind of crap. Right. And this has been Android since the beginning. 
Mm. Qualcomm makes great hardware. They are a very tough company to work with. Interesting. Well, I guess time will tell, guys. Time will tell. Uh, we just will need everybody to work together and get this to happen to make Derek and everybody like Derek happy. So, guys, companies listening to our podcast, get to it. Come on. So then the question <laughs> is, are we going to see more Exynos watches? Hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> hmm. If Samsung right. can make them, sure. They would love well, to sell more processors. You know that. Well, on that note, we're going to take a really quick break, and then we've got all the hardware all of it guys we're just going to talk about it all so stay tuned and we'll be right back indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract interview and hire all in one place instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills indeed's powerful hiring platform can help you do it all we streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates with instant match over 80 percent of employers get quality candidates whose resume on indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job according to indeed data in the u.s one of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because let's just face it, you want to be able to find the right candidate for your job. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to US Indeed data. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ACP. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, um, I want to start off with, I mean, I really want to get into the fold, obviously, like that is something that I want to know about. But let's, let's just get the 7A out of the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're just pish poshing on the very best product Google announced. No, 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 no. You know what? You, it, it is true. It is. It, the 7A is, is insane. Um, the stuff that Google has done with upgrading it is awesome. And for the price is, is wonderful. So it is, it is the best product. Yes. But I mean, I'm just so excited about the fold, but anyways, I know uh, I just wanted to throw it out there that, you know what, if you want to buy a phone from Google, buy the seven a, yeah, it's true, no lie. but let's get Nick to talk about it. You did the review, Nick. Um, I mean, you titled it Google pixel seven, a review, almost no reason to buy any other phone. Uh, you gave it a, what is this, a 4.5 out of 5 stars. Um, amazing pros, very little cons, top tier camera, best build and haptics in its class, 90 hertz AMOLED display, incredible Tensor G2 performance, Pixel features and updates, great price, and then your cons, some battery life issues, only 5 watt wireless charging, portrait mode cutouts are still a bit sloppy. Take it away, Nick. Tell us why, you know... This is pretty much almost no reason to buy any other phone. Sure. All right. Well, I, I guess I'll start with what are the reasons that you would buy a new phone? Like what, what are you looking for in a new phone when you buy it? A, cam a good camera. Okay. It's got that. Cheap. Um, okay. Cheap. Yeah, I was going to say cheap. I, yeah. I would say given the price of most phones, it's got that. <laughs> Will last me three years. 
Yep. Okay. Got that. That's all I'm looking for. Um, it looks stylish. I think it has that too. I think it does too. That baby blue is very beautiful. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get the the what are they called charcoal? The, the red one. This charcoal's the, pretty oh, yeah. boring. I mean, it just yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like the the seven pro looked a little more interesting in the charcoal color. I don't really know why, because they should effectively be the same, but whatever. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna say get the coral color because it's so good. It's so good. Uh, it's it's so obnoxiously it's so flashy bright. and obnoxious. Oh, I love it. Though. That's uh, what I like though. The it's... one and only orangish coral color phone I had had a battery that wouldn't last me five hours. Oh gosh. Yeah, and I think I that's think... part of why I like it too because it feels like redemption for that beautiful piece of electronics. Yeah, the the the, the Pixel the Four. Yeah, I wish the battery would last. That's the, the best phone. Hey, you I've know, ever I used. had the Four XL and that was great. So yeah, whatever. I also had it in the coral color. So yeah, all right. I mean, this phone really has it all. It's five hundred bucks. You can get it at Best Buy for four fifty if you buy it right now. Uh, that makes it the same price as the Six A. Normally, though, it's fifty bucks more than the Six A was last year. Uh, I think. Just improvement-wise, this is probably one of the biggest improvements we've seen year over year on any Pixel device. Um, You know, Tensor G2 is really good. It's not like heads and tails better than Tensor G1 in every respect, but I would say in the most important points, it is. And when you compare it to other phones at this price, like the, the Galaxy A54, right? This thing is way faster, like way, way faster. They, some tests are 300% faster. Like, wow. It can go anywhere from like 20 to 300% depending on what you're doing. It's 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 pretty impressive, okay? Um, the display is basically the same Samsung display you're going to get on every AMOLED phone these days, right? It's fine. You can see it outside. The colors are great, blah, blah. It's going to hurt your eyes if you're like me, and you got to leave it at 100% brightness. But whatever, that's... That's the PWM thing we talked about last week, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> haptics. Nobody does haptics like Google. I don't know what else to say. Uh, maybe Apple. That'd be about it. They're just really freaking good. Um, Build-wise... the size. The size is also a really nice size, size, too. The size is excellent. Yeah, I, I said that last year, and I didn't really feel like retreading it this year because it's the exact same size. Right. But, yeah, this is a small phone, again, compared to everything else, right? Like, it's... It's a six-inch display, and with almost no bezels, that means it's actually, you know, you can use one thumb to, to reach everything. Mm-hmm. It's not super common these days with a decent processor and a decent screen, and, you know, they also upgraded the cameras. Um, last year's 6A had the good old 12-megapixel sensor Google's been using for 84 years, and... <laughs> <laughs> And this one has a brand new 64 megapixel sensor for the main and a 13 megapixel for the ultra wide. And the front facing sensor is also new and they all look great. Uh, okay, I do, ha- I do have a question for you because um, I, I don't know if you remember this, but so during our pre-briefing with Google, um, I, I don't know if it was you who asked the question or if it, if it was a different reporter, but the question was... Um, I don't know if it was like, how were you able to do all of these upgrades and still have it at cheaper cost? Or was it or something along the lines of that, as well as maybe like, why upgrade? Because typically the seven, like the, the A series is like, yeah, not necessarily the more upgraded version, right? Like, if I'm not mistaken, it, it's it's not like the pro, for example. But this is like, sure. 
so good to the point where like you don't need to go for the pro and I don't know if you remember what the exec said to us. Do you remember what he said? I don't, but you know, just having both phones in my hand right now, I would say the only reason you should buy a Pro over a 7A is if you need to zoom in a lot. Because, you know, the the 7 Pro does a great job zooming in. And you don't. This Maybe not so much because it doesn't have a telephoto lens. You, you don't need to zoom in a lot. Nobody does. You, unless, you're, unless you're at a concert. Unless, you, well, you shouldn't the, be there filming, are... illegally filming concerts anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not for filming. So I went to a concert. I went to go see Muse with my husband last year. And uh, we used his 7 Pro to actually be, because we were high up. And like, it was still an intimate setting. But we used the phone to actually zoom in. And it was like so cool because we could like see okay yeah there's the whole, weird like use cases, everyone sure. up, there I know, are it's, weird it's a weird, it's a weird but, <laughs> and, and that's the thing it's like when you have a phone that can do that you start using it and you're like oh this is really useful but when your phone can't do it you don't really get why it's right it can be an important feature but is it four hundred dollars more important mm. no no it's not <laughs> I, I i don't go to product briefings or any of that kind of stuff for phones anymore but I did get to stuff my face with Mongolian barbecue while playing with 7A a month ago. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, there you go. And, and Nick, you you tell me if I'm right. It does everything my 6 Pro does, but it does it better and faster. Yeah, and and what's really cool, right? So that I thought this was interesting. On the camera improvements, it takes better low light photos than the you know six or six A. Okay, at least in in my testing and it takes them twice as fast as the 6a it's amazing so not only is it brighter and more detailed but it's half the time yeah i I have no idea how it compares to the pixel 7 or the 7 pro but i can tell you that it is a better phone in every way i was able to try it during that 45 minutes than the 6 pro was so that's my frame of reference yeah this is no that's amazing Right, and yeah. and I know. Well, and it's also it's also now available in seventeen countries, which is very impressive. It is, and that's that's good for Google because Google's not yeah. always known for releasing in which we'll probably get, yes. get to yes. in a little yes. bit. Yes, I am aware. <laughs> yeah, I know you I are, which we'll talk about later. We're going to talk about that later. But we will talk about let's, it. Let's see. So, so, so the only issue that I wanted to highlight, and I put it in the review too, was that mm-hmm. I ran into some weird battery bugs when I had features on that used the front-facing camera. So if I turned on face unlock, which I, you know, I would never recommend somebody using anyway because it's a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, or I turned on the feature that will use the front-facing camera when you auto-rotate the phone. Um, and the, the purpose of that is like if you're lying in bed and you're laying sideways, it won't rotate the screen because it sees your face and knows, oh, you're looking at the phone in portrait mode. Right? It's a nice feature, but if you have it on on this phone right now, at least you know from what I can tell on, on other people who have the phone right now, you have a really funky battery drain issue. It's like it's almost like it leaves the camera on all the time or far too it's often. Weird. It so, probably does. Does that, does that create like heating issues? Like, does that I didn't make notice, the phone hot? I didn't notice any heating issues. I, I I've already submitted a bug report to Google. Like, I expect this to get fixed, right? Like, this is not weird. This is a thing that I'm going to remove as a con from the review once they fix it. But it's in there right now because it's an issue right now. Wow, that's but weird. 
I, I, it's unfortunate that it uses extra battery. Yeah. But I don't even see that as a bug. If you want it to look at you, you need to leave the camera on. So I think they need to figure out a way to leave the camera on in some weird low-power black and white, you know, pixel bend, you know, one megapixel right. state. Yeah, I... Because all it needs to do is see the orientation of your face. Yeah, and it normally checks that before it auto-rotates, and that's that's kind of what this feature is is based on, right? And I have not seen this bug happen on other pixels, which, you know, is always weird because it's like it's, it's effectively the same uh, main hardware, right? It's the same processor and all that. Obviously, different camera sensors, but you wouldn't think that that would cause this. This almost feels like an SOC issue. I, I only say this because the exact same problem. Remember, remember Samsung, the old notes, they used to look at your eyes? Right. Uh, that just killed the battery. The, the camera would look at your eyes to see if you were awake like when it auto plays the next video or it wouldn't blank out the screen while you were reading an ebook if it could see your eyes and that just killed the battery because you know the camera was on and and we asked samsung about it and they're like yeah unfortunately if you want to use the camera all the time it has sure. to stay on all the time it's, it's so it's gotta be on all the time it's not not much you can do there so I'm, i mean maybe this is kind of the same thing but I would expect Google to find some ingenious way to keep that from hitting the battery so hard. Yeah, it's it's not supposed to be. So like I said, I, I, I think they will fix it in relatively short order. Is that a feature on my phone to use the It It thing? should be. If you go under display. Okay, I'll have to look. And then scroll down to auto-rotate, there should be, let me scroll up to the screenshot I have. Uh, at the very bottom, it says auto-rotate face-based. You just turn it on. Huh. See, I can't check right now because I'm I'm reviewing That's all right. something really cool that involves charging stuff. Well, and my go. phone's in the other room. Yeah, look look for it and and see if it affects you. I know I've used it in the past, and I don't recall having battery drain issues. Right. So uh, yeah, that that's a thing. The pixels now have so many features. I can't even remember which ones are there. Yeah. So essentially, what you're saying, Nick, is this is a f fantastic phone. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. It's, it's, it's hard not to recommend it. Okay, that's, there you go. That's how I'll end it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I want to talk about the Fold. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, so obviously we know that the Fold is, um, I'm just opening up Nick, or rather Michael's hands-on that he did very, oh my gosh. Like, you're so well spoken and you write amazing michael and the fact that you wrote this after attending an event all day long like it's impressive and also because you're not you're not a native fold user right that's sort of nick's wheelhouse so yeah it's really it, it was really interesting to get your perspective considering that you you don't use a fold on, as your everyday phone. Anyway, anyways, um, you're, you titled your your hands-on Google Pixel Fold hands-on an impressive first-gen effort, and you you touched upon a lot of awesome things. We know that the Fold is a very steep price of uh, seventeen ninety nine USD, um, which is very very high. Uh, but I mean, it's similar to its competitors, so not entirely surprising there. But um, you talked about, you know, the, the full design, um, you talked about what else have you like uh, about the full display, how you you are worried about it. There are some nooks and crannies that you want to talk about. So, OK, 
tell us, um, walk us through this, this awesome hands-on um, and, and what you feel about the fold. Okay. So, yeah, I tried with the hands-on. I don't like it when I read other people's other sites hands-on and it's just all the specs and then like a couple of sentences saying, yeah, I liked it when I used it. Yeah. And yeah. I saw a lot of that when I was looking at other people's fold articles after I wrote mine. And yeah, I'm not I'm not shading them, but no shade them because no, that's the <laughs> easy okay. way shade out. Them, shade shade them. the hell out of it's them. It's OK. You did a great no, job, what, Michael. What, I loved it. Yeah. 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 And, and what's really awesome about this hands on, I feel it, it came across very um, genuine. Like you went there, you played with I think at one point you said you had six folds in front of you or. <laughs> yeah. Once everyone left to go eat lunch, there was just an array of folds just sitting there and they were really trusting. Like Jeremy and I agreed we could have stolen a fold. It would not have been that hard. They just pull out <laughs> another one from underneath the counter. <laughs> oh my gosh uh okay so the fold is expected to um ship in june right and with yeah. that steep price point but yeah talk to us about uh, let, let's start off with the pros yeah. what, what did you like about what did you like about the phone well it's the same thing as with the 7a in terms of the cameras like the the camera hardware is not as good as what you'd get on a pixel 7 especially with the selfie shots, but it's okay because I, I literally, I took a selfie with one and it looked a little blurry. And then I looked at it in photos and I could just see the AI sharpening it, you know, blurring oh, the background cool. and it just happened within like a second. And it suddenly looked like a much better photo than what I would get on like my S22 or iPhone 14 pro, despite having wow. more megapixels. It just looked it's better freaking magic with less. It? Wow, that's amazing. So, and the same apply. I mean, I will say that the telephoto lens it has the five times optical. It it didn't look great to me, but like it's still good enough. I think compared, it's not as good as the seven Pro with the forty eight megapixels. It's only like ten, but it does give you the zoom enough of a zoom that you can get shots of things that are pretty far away, which is great. Um, and so, yeah, just the fact that you get that on a foldable is pretty impressive. It's funny because, you know, the, the camera bump does mean that the, the fold doesn't really lay flat, even without the whole, uh, hinge issue we'll talk about later. So, you, but that's okay because you're probably going to be using a case with it. And so that just takes care Would of it. Would you problem. though, like Nick, do you, did you use a, you, you're not a case person anyways, but like. Do most people use a case with a fold fold phone? Like, I feel like it's too nice and classy and you want to show it off. Uh, so I actually find that I prefer to use cases on, it depends on the phone, but like on a Galaxy Z Fold, for instance. I like the case because I find it harder to open oh. if I don't have a case that has a lip on it. So like, you know how a lot of laptops will have a lip so you can grab the top yeah, and yeah, open yeah. it? Yeah. Same deal with this. I, I like to use a case that has a little lip on there so I can more easily grab it and open it up. Interesting. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Now, I don't know how the design of this phone works. Maybe you don't need one based on the edges. But yeah, well, at least for the Z Fold series, I find that the edges are a little too slippery to not have a case. Mm, right? Okay. And this Fold is really nice and feels great, but it probably would be slippery. And the, the case, it makes it a lot thicker, but it is a lot easier to grip and it felt fine. It just feels like you're holding something that's no longer $1,800 when you're holding like a silicone case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to, I want to talk about the hinge in, in just a moment, but 
Um, one of the qualms that I've had with the Galaxy Z Fold 4, and, and I've, I've talked about this before, is this expensive phone and how I feel it it's it feels a bit cheapy. Um, but that's mainly because of the screen, right? It's a, it's a plastic screen. Plastic screen and protector on the inside. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be, right? Because it's it's a foldable I'm phone. I'm going to pull up a chair and sit on your side of the table. Because, <laughs> I, yes, you're... I, it just feels cheap. It does. It feels really cheap. And it, it, it's like, why am I, if I'm going to be spending for this premium device, why would I, why should I have to deal with this cheap design thing? I, like, I just, I don't know. Anyways. You know what? Tell me if I'm wrong, Shruti. If this was, let's say if it was a, a Galaxy A or a Pixel 7a, you wouldn't think it felt all that cheap. It would be, uh, it's okay because you're only spending 500 but exactly. Yeah. But you when and you're I are spending, on the same page. Yeah. When you're spending freaking eighteen hundred dollars and mind you, that's not even eighteen hundred Canadian. That's eighteen hundred USD, which pr- pretty much would be twenty six hundred Canadian. <laughs> if I'm going to be spending for a phone, that's probably more expensive than a laptop. And I actually need to get a new laptop for myself at some point. Why would I want something that feels cheap? It, it it just doesn't make sense to me. And so, Michael, I really need to know, what did that inside feel like? Okay, so yeah, there are definitely pros and cons here. The, when you are using the Fold in tabletop mode or tent mode or whatever, it looks great. I mean, to me, the when you're not worried about the crease or anything else, and you just have it you know, half sitting on the table, you got your, your video playing and then the playback controls on the bottom that you can tap on the table or you're taking a photo with it and it's settled on the table so you can just set it there and set a timer and go and take a photo like there are just a lot of uses for it that google has done well with the fact that it can just sit at that 130 degree angle um and it just you know the display looks pretty good i think it's like 400 ppi with a you know a fancier phone that is not a foldable you probably get up to 500 so it's it's definitely rich enough it's higher than fhd so that's pretty much all you need at this level for a foldable and the crease isn't too bad part of the issue is with the hinge and being able to make it fully flat but when you do actually get it to that point or close to it, the, the crease mostly disappears. Compared to what I've seen in the photos of Nick's Z Fold 4, it does seem less noticeable. Okay, so it is it is good. And I actually, I'm just going to point out, also the cover display is great because I would not want to use a Z Fold 4 in the folded form because it's so skinny. I don't understand right. why they made it that skinny, but the, it's it's satisfyingly sort of squat and wide when you use the fold. And it just, it just feels like using a slightly smaller version of the Pixel 7a. But, but do you feel like it's it's like worth $1,800? Okay, so yes, pull up a chair. Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... Would, would you buy it for 1800 bucks? Yeah, would you spend $1,800 on this phone? I wouldn't. Uh, it would be different if I can get a good trade-in deal on it. That's the important thing. But I don't know if I have a good trade-in. <laughs> uh, the main thing is 
Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure whether or not it's the built-in screen protector or something else. But there is... You have the thick bezels around the display, and those you'll get Michael, used to them. Michael, just stop being so diplomatic. No, no, no. Let him nitpick. I love it. Okay, nitpick fine, this go. thing to death. <laughs> it's okay, got go, thick go, go, bezels, go, go. and that makes it look a little meh. I mean, these are the, these are the kind of bezels you might see on a really like a budget Nokia or Motorola or ooh, something. Ooh, ooh. See, um, I love the bezels, but I have I have great big thumbs. Right. I mean, that's the positive for it is that it gives you somewhere to grip if you're holding it that way. But also, there's a little mini black line inside of that bezel, which is either just another part of the bezel or it's the the edge of the screen, the built-in plastic screen protector. But it looks like either light is shining through or there's like gunk that gathers there because there's a difference in elevation between the main bezel and the mini bezel. So, oh dear. <laughs> so it just looks like it's gathering gunk. And the entire time, oh, all gosh. the Google employees were coming by and wiping the screens because they are fingerprint magnets, oh, God. which is another thing. This, you know, you're going to be touching them and then your oily fingers are going to be blocking the display compared to a regular display wait wait till you give it to your kids and i I want to say when i read your hands on i got to that point i i freaking love that you noticed that and i love that you spent time complaining about it yeah because when people spend eighteen hundred dollars on a phone and they use it every day that's the kind of stuff they're gonna see yeah again this was just a very genuine (laughs) thank you hands-on and i i i appreciated that a lot um, sorry, I, I know you might have more to say, um, so I, I, I want you to continue, but I, I do want to get to that hinge thing, because that seems to be a pretty uh, interesting conversation that's happening online. Right, and some people might disagree with me on it. I think Jerry had a different experience, but um, yeah, so the hinge is very strong which is good in theory, because it means you can pose it at pretty much any angle, and there's no issue with that it's not going to wobble and i like the the satisfying feeling of pulling it and saying okay this is where i want it to be this is where i like it this is a good angle without the sun shining too much on it or something but the problem is when you pull it close to being fully flat the hinge resists Mm. and you pull and you pull and it gets closer and closer but there is it's like I'd say 174 degrees instead of 180. And you can still see the little bit of the crease and it's not fully that's flat. So, that stresses me out because like, yeah, and you think you mentioned this in your hands on like you could break it. Right. Well, I don't know if that's actually true. And that's the problem. Google says you just got to use some force. And if you just keep no. pulling, it will be flat. But oh my I have God. heard, I think, horror <laughs> stories about people doing that with their Z folds and like cracking the display. It, yeah, chipping the display at the and top I would not of the want bottom to do of the that crease with my Google fold. So is this the reason that they teased it on May the fourth? Because you got to use the force. Oh my God! <laughs> just stop it. Shut You're the, very welcome. Mute him. Just go away. Stop. You're done. Oh my God, Nick. <laughs> Well, that's our podcast, everyone. Tune in next week. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Okay. I I heard from an inside source with knowledge of this issue that this is by design. When you get 
99% open. That last part, you have to, they, they use the word click into place. And what that does with the hinge is that brings the hinge in the center up slightly. And that pushes the crease out slightly, so there's less of a crease. When you say click, do you mean like, you know those like cupboards where like you... I don't know. I I haven't touched it. Right. I'm just saying what I've been told is you have to like, uh, he, he used the word snap, snap, not click. You have to snap it into place, and that pushes the center of the hinge out slightly and takes the crease away. Apparently, it doesn't take the crease entirely away. But, Michael, does it have less of a crease than photos you've seen of the Z-Fold? Yes. And that was without even making it fully flat. So, you know, maybe there's something to it. I, I don't know. It's just a weird Google way of doing it. That, that's, and that's what made me think this is like a first-gen device. They know fully what they are doing when it comes to how much force the hinge can take. And they designed it this way so that they could do the cool tabletop mode stuff. But the question is whether or not it'll work for consumers or if they will have this problem and just say my fold won't go flat one star like i don't know how if they literally need to include like a how-to guide that says you can go ahead and keep pulling (laughs) make sure (laughs) you actually make it go flat i don't know how much i mean I, i i know michael fisher and i know he knows the right people but i go back to another device that google designed to hinge on which was the first pixel book uh, that thing would stay at any angle with no issues whatsoever. You you could even bump it and it would stay. But that hinge was fluid and smooth and easy to operate. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely an interesting thought. And I, I wonder, I, I feel like we'll hear more about it in June uh, because I think that's when we're, we likely might be, um, you know, seeing reviews or whatever it may be. Um, and we'll hear it, right? Because like that's what we saw in so many different devices from different companies, um, especially with the Galaxy Fold and the Flip. Like when those phones were first announced in the market, and reviewers came out with their reviews, we saw a lot of people talking about, "Oh, my phone cracked," or "Oh, yep. the um." I remember. I think it was the Fold or the Flip. I can't remember which phone it was, but um, reviewers in Canada were complaining about how like the screen protector would like peel off and like just just weird things were happening. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing with um, the fold pixel fold. Um, but I guess I, I, I hope because um, we've seen this happen so much, right? With Google, there's a lot of people who, yeah who throw shade on Google because it's Google and they want them to fail. And I just hope that we give Google the grace that, it deserves because they they are a company that um, it, I, I got this quote from someone in, in my article that we'll talk about later, but they basically said the fold is not there to compete. It's not there to take over the Samsung um, ecosystem. It is there to improve um, other foldable devices. So time will tell, I guess. I, I, right? It, yes. And I, I agree. We, we need to be fair. But I, I think this this hinge is going to become an issue. I think so, too. I, 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 I understand so. Google does weird things for weird reasons, and this is one of those weird things, and they have their reasons. But I think it's going to become an issue. Yeah, I just want reviewers to have, like, a week with it. It's hard to judge this in an hour. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying don't pre-order it, 
the bigger issues are just with like I'm curious about the screen protector and the, the brightness was a little low for me. But, you know, it looked pretty darn good for a first gen. It was definitely better than the Z Fold 1. But is it good enough to spend 1800 Yeah. I would wait for reviews. I know you're going to get the Pixel Watch for free if you pre-order it. but Even that didn't make the crowd cheer. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a couple of happy faces in there. But, yeah, it didn't seem to, to have maybe as big of an impact as they thought it might. It's like all these people who already heard the price on the Internet were thinking, oh, no, that's not real. That's not true. Yeah. And then when Osterlo told them the price, they were, like, shocked back They're into like, reality. They're like, oh, man. I, I think for me what's going to make or break this hardware is how well they warranty it. Because like you said, you know, foldable phones, and I would argue foldable phones are more durable than regular phones. I, I, I will publish the other thing eventually, but I think my wife's use of her Z Fold Flip 3 and 4 prove that they are more durable, right? But you can still have the display crack one day when you open it because... It's glass that bends, right? There's still yeah. that teeny little bit of a percentage that this could happen to anybody no matter how much you baby the thing. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that when this thing comes out, Google either warranties it itself for a while or they partner with some place. I'm not sure if I want it to be you break iFix, but, uh, you know, some place that will fix the thing without you having to pay five hundred dollars when it's not your fault you know and importantly mean? be able to fix it in an afternoon right yeah so well, you're not without a phone be, for a week yeah that might be a bit challenging but hopefully that will be the case but one okay. last thing i want to say before we move on uh michael this is probably the best engineered folding phone right now uh, samsung's next phone is probably going to be a little bit better but are we seeing the reason why Apple's not making a folding iPhone with all these little things? I mean, would you buy an iPhone with these same problems? No. I think most people would say no. And, and no. Yeah. So. But I think, sorry, Michael, if you have a response, I obviously I want to hear you say, it, but I just want to interject real quick. I think the reason why Apple hasn't done it is because I don't necessarily think like, I, I think we've seen a growth in smartphone sales, but I, I think the market is still nascent in the sense that it's still new and it's still not big enough for Apple to to um, capitalize on. I don't know. I think if Apple announced an, a folding iPhone tomorrow, they would sell more than they can freaking build. Maybe. Come on. Maybe, though. Uh, I, I I really think so. I just I think the reason they're not making one yet is because they don't like to make a problem or a, a, a product that they know has slight problems right, in the design right. area. And I was wondering if Michael agreed with that. Yeah, I don't think Apple wants to take that risk and have you know Apple customers are you know I don't mean this in a bad way. They're entitled because they are used to products that are consistent i mean it yeah. in a bad way <clears throat> i know you do <laughs> well no i i see it as everybody says oh apple doesn't innovate they just copy when it comes to design absolutely right they take something that was perfected last year now that it's perfect it's good enough for the iphone well yeah and that's why we haven't seen a new apple watch design in eight generations like you know, they know what works well and they're going to keep doing it until they really have perfected a new design. Yeah. 
but just yeah i don't apple apple users might buy a foldable but i don't know if if en- apple engineers would be ready to make the compromises that google made to make this 1800 which we think is high but actually they still needed to compromise some things to hit that price point and an apple foldable because that it would be even higher than that or yeah i just i just don't think it's coming anytime soon oh yeah they're still going to get their 46 percent margin (laughs) (laughs) okay let's take a quick break uh for those listening we are going to be doing a little bit of a longer episode this time and i think it's fair we have so much to talk about and there's still some amazing stuff coming so if you need to go grab a drink get some food or both please do and come back because we have so much more to talk about we'll be right back If your business earns millions or tens of millions of revenue, stop what you're doing and take a listen because NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out the best offer we've ever seen. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make better decisions faster. And for the first time in NetSuite's 22 years as the number one cloud financial system, you can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. That's no payment and no interest for six months, and you can take advantage of the special financing offer today. NetSuite is number one because they give your business everything you need in real time, all in one place to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity across every department. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know this deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of the special financing offer at netsuite.com slash Android. netsuite.com slash Android to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. That's netsuite.com slash Android. Okay, time for me to rant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. This is the part that I wanted to talk about, which is Google is not bringing the Pixel Fold to Canada. And I am devastated. (laughs) I'm so... So is this going to be a polite Canadian rant or a hockey Canadian rant? (laughs) Oh, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. I don't don't even know how I feel. I have so many emotions. I think the thing that like flusters me the most is that um, I have talked about how I would have considered making the Fold my primary device. As as many of you might know, I use an iPhone um, as my primary device. Um, You know, you can use whatever phone you want to use. I've written about how that doesn't matter and shouldn't matter. If you haven't read it, go read it. But that's what I use right now. I use an iPhone. Cool. Whatever. But I really would have considered switching to Android if if the fold was in my hands. I think it is such a beautiful phone. It is the the design, the color colorway, like it is really beautiful. I am so deeply disappointed when I uh, heard that it's not coming to Canada. And I I'll mail you. I'm not. I'm not. I'll buy it for you with your money and mail it to you. Will it? But will it work in Canada? Sure, it'll work on Rogers. Just fine. Yeah, but then what happens if it breaks? This is this is where the the issue she, comes. She has to mail it back to me, and I have to get it yeah, fixed. Right? I mean, I, I guess that you'd just yeah. be a little 
inconvenienced, basically. Well, a big inconvenience. It would be, it would yeah, suck. exactly. But, okay, so I want to talk about, you know, how this isn't surprising, though, because it's, and it, it has nothing to do with the sweet Canadians up north. You know, we are wonderful people. It has nothing to do with the people. It has everything to do with the market share and the, the size of our market and how successful our market can be. Um, we are very small. We have yep. 36 million people versus, uh, what is it, 400 million people in the U.S. Like I, just a, a very large amount of people in the U.S. We know that the fold is going to the U.K., U.S., Germany and Japan all four incredibly successful markets for the Pixel. Um, and Samsung Fold did a very similar move. They didn't bring the Fold to Canada in generation one, but they did bring it in later generations. So I'm sure the Fold will come to Canada at some point. It's just not coming yet. I'm, I'm just so sad, guys. It just, it makes me sad. Anyways, what are your thoughts about this? Do we think Google is making the right move here? Um, you know, by limiting no. the markets that it is um, going going to. No, they're they're making the the move that makes them more money. Right. Period. And that's not how you make friends with the consumer. Right. You should be able to buy this phone in Canada, even though the amount of money it would take for Google to be able to sell it in Canada means they would lose money selling it to you. So what? Right. They're, it's not like they're going to sell a billion of them in Canada. They're going to sell, you know, at most 100,000. Mm -hmm. Lose $3 on each of those and make 100,000 Canadians extra happy with your company to continue to use your services and make sure they look at your next product. But I think, do you, I think maybe let's talk about the fact that this phone is so expensive and there it, it is a very problematic design-wise, right? Like, maybe that is why they want to limit... Well, expensive, sales. yes, because they know what you said, 40 million, 40 million consumers in Canada. 30, 36 30. million. Yeah, okay. Ish. What percentage of those 30 million are going to spend, what, 3,000 Canadian on a phone? Very, very few. Uh, it's right. very expensive to get a phone certified to sell in a company and certified to use with a carrier. You, you know what's also interesting is that so an, an analyst was telling me they were like, why wouldn't you choose a market like Canada to test something out? Because it is it is perfect because it's a small market and you can limit your market. Right. Like you can limit who you're testing to. Right. As opposed I, to I see the benefit there. But, you know, m maybe I think this is more about money than anything else. Right. Google doesn't want to lose half a million dollars selling this phone in Canada. And that's a lot of money, but not to Google. Yeah, I guess I'm just really bummed about it. That makes me sad, you know? Well, I'm, I'm bummed for you. And I'm bummed for everyone in Mexico and Brazil and Italy and France and everywhere else that would people were would want to buy this phone and they can't and india that's harish's uh, well I, I saw that and we're going to get to that separately because i wish harish was here because he would invent new swear words <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I but know. i get it yeah. it's, it's a it's a money thing if google could sell a hundred million of these in canada and find a way to not lose money i think you'd be on the list of countries that are getting it but that they weren't able to make that happen, so they don't care about you. I know, and and I, 
I guess I'm, I, I am disappointed. I mean, you know, we, we write so much about Google. It, I, I guess I'm just really like, I'm, I'm really disappointed because I really was so excited. Like I was so excited about the Pixel Watch. And it's not like I can use the Pixel Watch because I use an uh, I use an iPhone. But you can, because the good phone is coming to Canada. Exactly. The 7A. And so, yeah, so here we are. Um, But I'm not the only one who is upset about (laughs) the Pixel Fold not coming to Canada. Uh, I know our... Um, wonderful esteemed writer Harish Janalagadda, who is based in India, wrote a fantastic article titled The Pixel Fold and Pixel Tablet Aren't Launching in India and I'm Pissed. <laughs> and you know what? When I edited this, or I didn't I didn't edit it, he edited it himself, but when I read this, I was like, should we remove pissed from the headline? No. <laughs> If you know Harish, if you've ever interacted with Harish... That's part of the charm. Yes, Harish is pissed. He is super pissed. No, and rightfully so, right? Because India is a massive market, and Google has... Full of tech enthusiasts. Yeah, and Google has done them dirty on so many occasions. This isn't the first time. Let's talk about it. What do you guys think about... What what did you guys think of uh, Harish's article? I I, I loved it. I, I wish... That we were like uh, over 21 only outlets so Harish could say some of the words he really wanted to say because I can tell how mad he is. And I agree with all his reasons of why he's angry. This phone should have been in India. It To me, selling this phone in India is more important than selling it in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. I I wanna I wanna get to one paragraph before I let Michael and Nick talk. So he he writes Um, I I don't understand Google's thinking here. The brand said last year that it wants to be taken seriously as a hardware player, but that's hard to do when its products are available in just a few countries. Google's hardware efforts have started to gain momentum over the last 18 months, mostly on the back of Pixel 6a and Pixel Pixel 7 series. But the biggest issue is that these devices are still only sold in a dozen countries. It's understandable that Google is being cautious about what markets it's launching its products in. It doesn't want to overcommit and underdeliver. So it's being strategic strategic and bringing devices to country countries where it thinks that it has the best potential for sales. That said, Google has been making hardware for nearly a decade now and it needs to figure out a more coherent strategy. And that to me is the mic drop, guys. Yep. And he didn't come out and say it, but what Google needs to do is find a way to make pixel products in india yeah so they can sell them in india look at other companies that now are doing business in india and doing well like apple and OnePlus. it's because they make a certain amount of products in india Mm. if they can do it google can do it right so i i know my takeaway from this was really the biggest surprise of of the article for me was this one paragraph right he said A lot of friends and family members bought the Pixel 6a and the 7 Pro on my recommendation last year. This is Harish talking. And when they wanted to pick up a smartwatch, I had to suggest the Galaxy Watch 5 because, in its infinite wisdom, Google decided not to launch the Pixel Watch in India. Which, (laughs) that's so weird to me. Like, why would you launch some of your products here, especially when you don't make that many in the first place, right? Why would you launch something like a Pixel 7 Pro and not launch the Pixel Watch there? That's in, that's insane to me. Yeah, it is. And the same thing with the Pixel Tablet. I mean, 
the the pixel fold you can say i guess it's for the same reason that it's not launching it in the other 12 or 13 usual countries it launches phones in but the pixel watch is the backbone of their new wear os strategy and the pixel tablet is the backbone of their new tablet strategy and they just said no for whatever reason we just don't think people in india are going to to buy these but it just means that it takes away from google's whole pixel ecosystem pixel perfect platform blah, like all their the marketing they've done in the last two years sure and so yeah why would anyone well, I, buy I, future phones like i get the pixel watch even though i don't agree with it it is and I hate to use this word for it, inexpensive enough that they would not be able to make as many as they could sell in, in a country like India. Uh, I know, man, it's terrible. A lot of Americans, they think of tigers and elephants when they think of India. India is one of the hugest tech centers on the planet. Thank you. It is. It has, it has cities that, you know, it, it has... It's own New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles, and and they're even bigger and filled with more people, and they're not all the poor people like you see on National Geographic. India is a is a developed country, full of tech enthusiasts that would plop down that money for a Pixel Watch in a heartbeat, and a lot Listen, more of them than are here in the United know, States. No, and you're a hundred percent right, and it's so frustrating um i really love to understand google's rationale for not this for, for not you know selling to india because one you're absolutely right jerry like india has some of the hottest tech um enthusiasts in the world like the majority of our readers come from india which is fascinating to see um so many people from India actually come to the U.S. to work because obviously there's a lot of opportunities here. But when you look at the roster at Google, at Microsoft, at, you know, Oracle, at, um, you know, uh, all of these big tech companies, they're all full of Indian people. I'm so surprised that they wouldn't want to sell in India. It just doesn't make sense I to me. I don't know. That's one of the, those it's Google. We should expect this by now. Oh, well, I guess on that note, we can talk about, I guess, the least exciting thing about, about the hardware from everything that came out, which was uh, the Pixel tablet. I, okay, it, it is uh, not as exciting as uh, the 7A and the Fold, obviously, um, but the tablet is still beautiful. I think they they designed it very beautifully. Um I still do not believe when they say that this is not a replacement for the Nest Hub because I absolutely think this is a replacement for the Nest Hub. Um, I think it's a it's a beautifully designed product. Um, and uh, Michael, I will hand it back to you, the mic, because you got to uh, do the hands on and you also got to play with it. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so it's fine. <laughs> um okay so it's fine I'll obviously we'll, we'll just end it there you know what that's good it's fine so here's the the genuine <laughs> thing here is i am actually impressed with it despite the fact that it is not that impressive 
because if you do the math, this is a $500 tablet that includes a $120 or $30 base hub, which you can buy more of. Google wants you to put one hub in every room in your house so you can set it up in different rooms, which is silly, but kind of cute. They think people are going to do that. Um, but that means the tablet, either they're giving away the hub for free or the tablet is like only about $400. And they still managed to give it a tensor chip, a 120 hertz display with as high of a resolution as the $700 Tab S8. Um, it, you know, has compromises. The cameras are meh. I mean, but it's fine because it's Google, so they, they counteract that and they have some cool tricks like a 3D background for your Zoom calls and stuff like that. But, it, you know, it's, it is a perfectly fine tablet and it makes something like, you know, Samsung's Fan Edition tablets look terrible because they are, the, you know, more expensive and not as fast and not as well designed. And, yeah, I mean... If I were to buy a mid-range tablet, I would recommend I would recommend this because it's getting all of Google's you know multitasking stuff that they're focusing on. Um it's yeah, I I just am impressed with the fact that it is not more expensive than it is. And then the hub is nice. I mean, the the the, the audio on the tablet is kind of sucky. But when you attach it to the hub, it just becomes 100% richer and louder. Um, and the fact that, yeah, I genuinely agree with the point that Google's marketing team made. I have tablets, and whenever I want to use it, it's dead. Because I just it just sits around. Um, and then, you know, but with this, it'll just sit and stay at, you know, with adaptive charging. I think it's supposed to stay at 80% battery. So you can just pull it off and use it. You know, what's interesting because I and I want to go back to this Nest Hub conversation because, again, when we were in the um, the briefing, the product briefing, uh, the, the Google exec basically said that this is not a replacement for a Nest Hub. But I fully think it is like imagine living in a home. And I feel like, Nick, you could relate to this a lot because you have a lot of smart lights and smart stuff around your home. But like imagine living in your home where like you're you're you're. The Pixel tablet is sort of the main hub where you're able to control everything in your home. And then at the end of the night, you can just turn everything off in your bed and then just hook it back on the hub on the hub next year on your night uh, on your um, the night table next to you. And I just I just think that makes like so much more sense. Like the marketing of that would have been way better by just getting rid of the Nest Hub altogether and making this your main Nest Hub. Um, I don't know. I just think that, that you know. I, I, I pish poshed on the idea of this tablet for a long time. And then when I saw, you know, the keynote speech yesterday, I'm like, you know, I, I actually do need another Nest Hub because everything in my house is smart because I can't reach everything. Right. Uh, I said, uh, maybe I ought to buy this instead of uh, another Nest Hub. And then I looked, the price of the Nest Hub Max is 220 bucks. Nope. Nope. Rules it out. Forget it. If I'm going to spend $500 plus on a tablet, hate me if you want. It's going to say iPad mini on the back because it's a much better tablet. <laughs> That's fair. I, and I think your point on the price and it not being a Nest Hub replacement is why they said that. Mm. Right? Because the Nest Hub really is supposed to be a... 
I don't even want to call it a tablet, but just a cheap display that sits on your counter and is a hub. Is you know, that's why they call it what they call it, right? So this this serves that functionality as well, which I think means that it's more useful than your typical tablet. And it's why I don't have a tablet because in the past when I have had one, they don't get used. It sits and collects dust, and I never touch it, right? And that also goes back to the whole charging thing. And I know a lot of people who use a tablet simply to have another screen to watch videos on or, you know, read comic books or graphic novels on. But what? And if... Go, no, go ahead. I thought you were done. Because I... No, no. If that's what you use it for, then it's, yeah, it's going to end up laying somewhere and die. And then when you go to use it for that, you're going to go, this piece of crap is dead again. And then you're never going to use it again. Well, that, that's why you have the dock or charging. <laughs> that, that's it. what I'm saying. Like I love this about that design. It solves those things, and by being a Nest Hub replacement that isn't priced like one, having that functionality in there now adds two things. Plus, now you have multi-user, which is something iPads don't have. So, if nothing, that's the selling point over iPads versus just the price, right? And then buying a cheaper iPad or something because you can buy one of these and it's always going to have battery life and you can all have your own profiles and the performance is great, blah, 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 right? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to crap on Google even though I said we shouldn't. You, you have multi-user, so you have two users into a tablet ecosystem that sucks by the iPad. <laughs> all right, well, on that note, I guess we're going to find out whether this is going to be the true replacer uh, I want to ask Michael a question because I didn't know. You say it sounds good when you put it on the the little hub thingy? Yeah, the hub has like a backward firing speaker. It's like a speaker. Augments it. An, an actual, and it's not just hollow like when you stick your phone in a solo cup kind of thing. It's an actual no, speaker? No, no. I mean, it's hard to judge when you're outside and it's crowded, but it just yeah. it did sound richer with just the YouTube video that I was using as a demo. I don't know how it'll do compared to, like, a Bose or well, something. Well, I mean, I, now I have to look because I've been known to spend entirely too much money on audio devices. But, but Jerry, this is what I'm saying. This is why I think this would be a great Nest Hub it, replacer. Right, because, because the Nest Hub the, sucks when it comes to audio. It's it Exactly. Stinks. Literally, do you know what my husband did? He, in our living room, we have a nest tub in the kitchen. Um, and then we have a little, like the the Google mini home on the other end. And then another Google mini home in the other end. And he decided to connect all three of them together to create surround sound. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but the point is, is that the, the nest tub really does have not that great audio like it's it's pretty crap honestly and this is why again i'm coming back google why didn't you just make this cost slightly less maybe not 500 maybe like 450 and make this because then you either have to cut the display quality or i mean with tensor tensor is pretty expensive expensive enough that it can't be too yeah cheap, but but michael what i'm saying get rid of the nest tub altogether Make this your new No, desktop. don't do that. Give leave something I can buy for two hundred and twenty bucks or oh, whatever it okay, is. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Fair because enough. I'm a cheapskate. But if you're out there and you're listening, send an email and convince me why I need a, a nest 
or Nest, a Pixel tablet, because I really want to hear how it sounds now. And if enough people tell me to do it, I'll find a way to buy one. Fair enough. I have one last point before we move on, and that's just, if this is a Nest Hub replacement for you, it is what Jeremy noticed, is that it has a pretty narrow, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It Where it sits on your desk, it doesn't take up too much space. Um, the way that the tablet is angled. The the depth? Yeah. Um, I guess I was looking for footprint. I don't know. The point is, you know, it'll it'll fit on a counter somewhere, like on a on an end table or something, and not take up too much space because they designed it that way, which is great. I, I, I use a home mini in my office and that doesn't let me see who's at the front door. Right. That kind of stinks. So I've been looking to replace that and Footprint is is a, a big issue because I have a lot of crap here. Okay, um, so on that note, I think this is like the, probably one of our longest episodes, and I'm really glad it, that we decided to keep talking because we had some really amazing content today. But what we're gonna do now is get to my favorite part, which is what made you happy this past week. <laughs> so who wants to go first? What made you happy this past week? Guys, uh, well, every week. I can tell literally. you what made me unhappy. No, I don't want to hear that, Jerry. I want to hear what made I was, me happy. I was going to get a really cool bag of stuff from IO, just random crap <laughs> from somebody I know. And and I insulted him, and he gave it to somebody else just to spite me and oh. laugh at me. All right, well, tell me what made you happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what well, it made me happy reconnecting with him. He, he's, a, he's a good friend, and... We don't talk a lot anymore because he's been super busy uh, on the things that you all saw uh, during the keynote speech. And and we've been super busy preparing for it. And it's been a month or two since we even talked. And when he texted me out of the blue, hey, you bleep, bleep, bleep. I got a bag of bleep, bleep, bleep for you. What do you want me to do with it? You bleep, bleeper. And, and I'm like, I know there's this dude. He's he's there. His, his name's Jeremy. Uh, he's got a chrome dinosaur hat on. He's in the VIP section. Find him. Give him the bag. He'll mail it to me. All right. He didn't do it fast enough. I insulted him. And oh, he gosh. said, screw you. I'm giving it to. He said, I'm giving it to the first guy I see with a green shirt. And then he sent me a photo of him giving it to some <laughs> random, a very young fellow in a green shirt who was just grinning from ear to ear. And then it was bleep you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm glad at least you connected with him again. So that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy, and he'll that's make it up incredible. to me. I love it. Oh, man. Okay, who wants to go next? I can go. Um, yes, please. So I, I can be very sentimental, all right? And my, my uh, son spent the night at a friend's house on Saturday. It's not something he does very often. And um, he ended up calling me from his watch at 1 in the morning. And wanted me to come pick him up because he was uncomfortable and couldn't sleep. And and so I, you know, I threw on my clothes and ran out the door and went and picked him up. And I don't know, I just, I I like stuff like that. It's like he trusts me enough to call me at 1 a.m. to come pick him up. I know he's only nine, but you know, still, it's like. No, that that means something, man. That's great. My granddaughters know how to use the, the nest to call Papa on. Google Duo, and when they do it in the middle of the night because they had a bad dream, uh, it feels good, doesn't it? It does. It feels really good. (laughs) No, but more than that is that, like, you've obviously built such a strong relationship with your kids, and 
the fact that they can just call you and and they have trust in you that you're going to protect them and you're there for them like that's a big deal and that's so wonderful i love that and you've taught them how to use technology i, I was, I was just gonna say and on a side note it's nice to know that you know no, a kid's smartwatch I, works like it should <laughs> i was being serious you showed him how he can use technology to always get a hold of his dad whenever he needs him i love that Oh, that makes me so happy. Oh, that made me so happy. Oh. Way better story okay. than mine. And now I have to follow up. Okay. Uh, so mine is pretty, uh, not as sentimental, but still nice. You know, we here at Android Central, we're just scattered all over the place. We're in different countries, different states. The, the closest person to me is Derek in Seattle. I mean... I don't, I just don't, aside from meat calls, which aren't real, I don't get to see the people I work with every day. So it was really nice to just drive down to IO and get to spend a couple of days hanging out with Jeremy and just actually get to talk with him outside of the context of work and then see other folks that I haven't seen since like in the last year in the tech industry, you know, just, uh, you spend so often, we spent so often the last couple of years indoors, away from other people, and just any chance that I get to to see folks and interact with them is great. So, where'd Jeremy take you for dinner? I love that. Uh, he didn't take me anywhere for dinner. <laughs> what? Or lunch? No, or lunch. Did you go? Did you guys go for lunch anywhere? Um, we just sort of ate at IO. God. Dang, well, yeah, they, No, they got a good kitchen there at IO. Yeah, there were there was genuinely good food. good food, and also it. I had to I had to head home. I told you guys it took me about two and a half three hours just to get home with Bay Area traffic. That's insane, so. given how close you live to that place. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I love that, and I'm really glad that you had the opportunity to meet Jeremy because um, he just seems like a really when cool this guy episode to hang out with. airs, Jeremy, I know you listen. You let this man drive through all that traffic and you didn't take him somewhere cool for dinner. <laughs> I can't believe it. I am so God disappointed in dang. you, Dad. You just, you broke my heart. You heard about Nick's heartfelt story as a father, and then you, as our father, didn't even take Michael to dinner. Oh, God. Oh, God. Do you know all the great oh. Thai restaurants that were you were close by, that the food is just, oh, oh man, Jeremy. I still oh, love man. you. Well, yeah, now I want Jeremy. Thai food. What'd you do? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what made me happy this week? Um, you know, as usual, I'll, I'll give you guys a little rundown of a few things. Obviously, Nick is very aware of this, but uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is coming out tomorrow. We are recording on Thursday, May 11th, and it is coming out tomorrow. Well, technically at midnight. I don't know if my body will be awake while to be able to play it, but we'll see. But I'm really excited about it. And um, Oh, you'll be awake. Quit lying. <laughs> at at 11.55, you'll be there bouncing off the freaking ceilings. I know. <laughs> well, it's just my bo- I'm so used to sleeping at like 10 and then waking up at like 5. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to be awake, though. I will. Um, but it's just so cute because my husband... So, m- my husband is a gamer. Like, he, he does all the, the, the hardcore gaming. I'm more of like a... I'm very selective. I, I I like to game, but I I'm just like I, I get too anxious to try new things. And um, Breath of the Wild 
was like a very big deal for me. It was like my first open world game. It was a pandemic game. So it was the game that I played during the pandemic um, as we were all stuck, not knowing what was going to happen with the world. And it taught me a lot about realizing that you can get to your destination, but you can also get to it not in a straight line. You can wander off and you can enjoy what's around you and be present. And that really helped. Listen to you all philosophical. But I'm telling you that that game really meant a lot to me. Like it meant so much. Like I'm going to get teary eyed thinking of it because especially during the pandemic, like we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know what the world was going to look like. We didn't know when things were going to lift and it Around brought here a lot we of buried ammunition in the backyard. Yeah. Well, anyways, I mean, it brought a lot of perspective for me. And yeah, I really and I was late to the game because that game came out in 2016, 2017. So I was. Yeah. yeah, I was I was late to the game, but it brought a lot of perspective. And I'm really excited for this game to come out. And my husband was so cute because he was like he took the day off as well. And he was like. I want us like he, he's like, I want to create like a cozy environment at home and we're going to like play Zelda all day and we'll order in. And I'm just I'm just really excited. And I hope I have the same experience I have that I had with Breath of the Wild. Like I, I I'm actually like tearing up like I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm anxious, but I'm going to go in with a present mind and I'm excited to it play it. It doesn't sound like you were late to the first game. It sounds like you were right on. Oh. <sighs> You're going to make me cry, Jerry. <laughs> See, so now now Tears of the Kingdom has a new meaning. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm already, like, tearing up. Um, you have fun. Play the hell yes. out of this I game. will. Thank you. And, and play, play it until freaking Monday when the whistle blows <laughs> and you have to come back to work. I know. And then the only other thing I want to say is, you know, obviously because Jeremy was an IO, um, a lot of – there was a lot of coordination that, that went in with IO. and. I just, I really need to take a moment and thank every single person who works at Android Central. I am so incredibly grateful to be working with a group of people who are so dedicated, passionate, and excited. And we freaking kicked ass. Like, I'm not even kidding. I don't care about any other site, but we kicked ass. And I'm so grateful to be working with every single one of you guys. So... Thank you so much for that. Thank you for making my week. I appreciate Seems it. Seems like all I did was research on stuff. <laughs> no, but Jerry, I hope it was helpful. You were, and you are amazing. And every single person who works for us is amazing. Okay, I'm going to go ball in a corner because this episode was just so sentimental. <laughs> but uh, on that note, wherever you're listening to us, whether it is in the morning, afternoon, or night, thank you so much for taking the time and listening to us we are so incredibly grateful for every single one of your listeners i thank you so much and we will catch you guys next time have a great one bye